our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Davey O'Shea works as a sparker for Nikola Tesla, implementing his wireless electricity technology to the streets of London in 1888. He's also on the lookout as a detective for Scotland Yard during the peak of Jack the Ripper's gruesome spree. Visited by a strange man one night out on the job, Davey is presented with the legendary sword Excalibur, and upon touching it, learns he is a descendant of King Arthur himself. Now armed with the knowledge of his famed ancestor, Davy joins forces with other descendants of the Round Table to search for King Arthur's true nemesis. Always two steps behind, however, and with more of the Ripper's victims piling up, Davy must find a way to get ahead in order to stop both past and present adversaries. Lamplight is the first ever Keepers novel created by A. David Barrett. You can find it now on Amazon, on Kindle, hardcover and paperback, and also soon in audiobook format, narrated by the fantastic, if I may say so, Matt Taylor, aka me. So, check out Lamplight using the link in the description box. It's an incredible read and a very, very good listen too. Greetings to those who watch below. Before we start today's video, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below. Steffi Ray, Lefty Kim, M.A. Way, Julie B, Chris, BLK Chris, Tegan S, Tasos Karamaris, LT Punisher 666, Wicked Witch, Christina Groves, and Lisa Watts. I know I haven't been as active as I should be recently. This is due to a new job and also a lot of other projects that I have underway one of which you would have heard about in the pre-roll, Lamplight. Make sure to check it out, because it is an absolutely fantastic book, and the audiobook will be coming very, very soon. But for now, it's time to carry on with our US paranormal tour, and today we're heading over to Nevada. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hauntings in Vegas by Giovanna425. I was visiting my best girlfriend in Vegas last year, and she had a generous mansion in Henderson, Nevada, 10 minutes from the Strip. The first night, I woke up to the feeling of being watched. But more than that, I was sleeping, but saw a dark, shadowed man leaning over me. I figured it was a dream and went back to sleep. The next day, I told my friend and she confessed that her place was haunted. I believe in that stuff, but brushed it off. We went out for lunch, and when we came back, all my stuff in the closet was thrown onto the floor. 
Apparently, the closet is where it likes to stay, and it was angry I put my stuff in there. Still not believing, I figured it was her little brother or something. I put my stuff back and went to take a shower. That was a bad idea. While I was showering, mind you, there were no vents or air conditioning or windows in the bathroom. The shower curtain blew in with full force into me while I was taking a shower and scared me. It took all of my courage to open the curtain, but nothing was there. However, the steam on the walls was dripping. I wasn't even taking a hot shower and the condensation was red. I went out to the main room and my friend was sleeping. I asked her if she had opened a window, but she wasn't even awake, so she couldn't have. I went back into the bathroom and there was a swirl drawn into the steam on the mirror. We go about our day and I tell her all about this. She's shocked and simply says, I guess he doesn't like you. He's never been that bad with other people that have slept over. I really think it's because you are Catholic and you're wearing a cross. I once tried putting candles and holy water in the room, but he knocked stuff over when I came back in. I'm thinking, what am I doing in this house? They moved into the house a few years ago and everything was fine. Then one night my friend woke up to the smell of something burning. She walked around and looked. Nothing. She got back in bed. She woke up again to her closet light on, balcony open and overhead lights on. That's not all. The fire alarm was going off. She gets up, opens the door and the alarm goes silent. She figures someone is burning something outside or that she was sleepwalking or something and gets back in bed. Again, the alarm goes off. Then the one in front of her mum's room alarms and they smell the burning smoke slash burning hair smell. Her dog at this point is going nutso, barking at the closet and then running out of the room and barking at her room, not going in. This went on for hours until she went into her mother's room, went under the covers and slept it out. Ever since, things have happened daily. Finally, it was time for me to go and it was my last night there. I went to bed, no problems with the balcony open, but with a large rock holding it only partially open. I go to sleep. I wake up around 3am and all the lights are on, the television is blasting and my friend is sound asleep, so I know she didn't turn anything on. Her dog is staring at the closet frozen, the balcony is wide open and the rock is outside on the balcony. If you're thinking it's the dog, this rock weighed at least 25 pounds. I was freaking out, but just kind of tried to keep calm because he knew when you were scared. So I got up and talked to him saying, if you want to watch TV that's fine, I'm turning down the volume so I can sleep that's all. I turned it down and went to sleep. That was my experience in Vegas and I know a lot of other people have had weird things happen in Las Vegas. I believed in ghosts before, but this was unexplainable. The Goldfield Hotel The Goldfield Hotel is one of those Nevada properties that despite a series of natural disasters and changing hands between owners, has continued to capture global attention for decades. Goldfield sprang to life in 1902 and damn near overnight, 
after large deposits of gold were discovered on the surrounding hillsides. Thousands of people flocked to what was considered to be one of the last great gold rushes in the American West, catapulting the population from a few dozen to 20,000, forming the largest town in Nevada. While the Goldfield Hotel was once famous as the most lavish hotel in Nevada's biggest and wealthiest boomtown of its era, the historic building is renowned for being another thing altogether, one of the scariest places on Earth. Drawing paranormal pros from all over, including the regularly visiting Zach Bagans and his Ghost Adventures crew. More than $80 million in gold stemmed from the mines surrounding Goldfield, which promised nothing but the best of the best for Goldfield residents and anyone who wanted to visit and stay in the famous Goldfield Hotel, welcoming some of the most successful politicians, bankers, ladies of the night, gunslingers, and everyone else in between. Built in the heart of the town, the Goldfield was one of the most opulent buildings in town, and acclaimed as the finest hotel between San Francisco and Denver. Champagne was rumoured to have flowed down the grand staircase during the opening ceremony, which celebrated the property's 154 rooms. Each room featured telephones, electric lights, and a heating system, all luxuries that during the era most people had yet to experience or just couldn't afford. The mahogany panelled lobby was furnished with upholstered leather benches, crystal chandeliers, and gold leaf ceilings. Plus, the property had an elevator, an extremely rare extravagance during the era, which, running at 300 feet per minute, made it the most modern elevator west of the Mississippi and the fastest in the state. The man behind the hotel was George Wingfield, a successful and wealthy banker, mining magnate, and joint owner of the booming Goldfield Consolidated Mines Company. However, as with many boomtowns, Goldfield's mines eventually dried up, causing the population and stream of hotel guests to dwindle. The hotel went through a series of owners, including the US Army during World War II and a private owner in the 1980s who sank millions into renovations but never opened the Goldfield Hotel for business. The hotel's last owner, Red Roberts, did little to change the property after purchasing it in 2003. Today, Red Roberts's son owns the hotel. Reportedly, there are several ghosts at the old hotel, the most famous of which is a woman named Elizabeth. According to the legend, Elizabeth was a prostitute that George Wingfield visited frequently. When she turned up pregnant, she claimed the child was Wingfield's, who for a while paid for her to stay away, fearful of how the scandal might affect his business affairs. However, when she could no longer hide the pregnancy, Wingfield was said to have lured her into room 109 of the hotel, where he chained her to a radiator. Supplied with food and water, she was left there until her child could be born. Reportedly, she cried out over and over for mercy, only to be met with silence. Some say that Elizabeth died in childbirth, but others contend that Wingfield murdered her after the child was born. Her baby was then thrown into an old mining shaft. Afterward, rumours abounded that Elizabeth continued to visit Wingfield, and the sound of a crying child could sometimes be heard coming from the depths of the hotel. 
When the apparition of Elizabeth has been sighted, she has been described as having long flowing hair, wearing a white gown, and looking sad as she paces the hallways, calling out to her child. Others have reported her being sighted in room 109, which is often described as being intensely cold, and on one occasion, a ghostly figure appeared in a photograph of the room. However, most people report that while their cameras function normally everywhere else in the hotel, they refuse to work in room 109. Two more ghosts who reportedly committed suicide in third floor rooms of the hotel have been sighted by more than a dozen people. While their identities are unknown, one is said to be a woman who hanged herself, while the other is said to be a man who jumped to his death from the hotel. In what was once the main dining room, called the Gold Room, an evil spirit named the Stabber is said to randomly attack those who cross the threshold with a large kitchen knife. Though the Stabber has never physically harmed anyone, he is said to have frightened many before immediately disappearing after the attack. Near the lobby staircase linger three small spirits, including two children and a little person that are said to be pranksters, sneaking up behind people and tapping their backs before giggling and dancing away. Finally, George Wingfield himself is said to haunt this old hotel, making his presence known by his cigar smoke. Others have reported finding fresh cigar ashes in his first floor room. His presence has also been sensed near the giant lobby staircase. Thing on the Porch by Child of the Lotus My story is actually a little bit complicated to tell. First, I have to explain that I used to have dreams about my guardian spirit. At different times, he would guide me through problems in my life, give me strength, or explain things that I couldn't understand while I slept. I have only lived in one home that a person died in, and that is when I started having this recurring dream. There was about seven years out of my life that I lived away from my childhood home, which I live in now. During this time, I lived in a mobile home that an old woman died in. The owner told my family that the lady that died in the house was her mother, and that she was obligated to tell us before we stayed in the house. The lady said her mother was very kind, and a petite old woman that was suffering from emphysema. The old woman died peacefully, with all her family gathered around her, so my family felt confident that staying in the house would be fine. When I turned 17, I was staying in the house with my then best friend. My mother and brother were living in another house on the same property. While I lived at the house, I had a couple of strange but gentle experiences. I would hear light footsteps in the hall, and sometimes the lights would turn on in the middle of the night. I knew this was the spirit of the old woman that had died there. I wasn't afraid of her, because she never did anything violent or frightening. But shortly after staying in the house, things started to change. My then friend worked at night, so I was home alone most nights. My room was about eight feet from the front door, so the porch was right by my window. I didn't have curtains at the time, so I covered my window with posters, so I couldn't see outside and no one else could see into my room. Now that I have explained that, I'll get to the actual frightening haunting. 
At night, not every night, I started dreaming of my guardian on the roof. He was on his hands and knees, knocking on the roof like a door. The dreams would only last a few seconds. He would knock on the roof and say things like, That's not me on the porch. Or, Don't open the door. I would always wake up to these loud sounds on the porch, like someone heavy stomping on it or running from the ground and leaping onto it. The first time it happened, I thought it was just a big dog or something like that. But the incidents started happening more often at night, and they started getting more and more violent. There would be the stomping or the running slash jumping, and followed by that, something would bang on the door really hard or rattle the knob as if trying to turn it open. It would scare the living daylights out of me, because I would hear light sounds on the roof as well, like footsteps on the tin. It happened all the time, and it got scarier and scarier. Oddly, the back door was way weaker, but nothing ever happened around the back door. It was always wreaking havoc on the front porch and door, and almost every night prior to the bangs, I would have the warning dreams of that's not me or don't open the door. When my friend was off work, some nights he slept straight through the banging, but every once in a while he would wake up and ask me what was going on. I would always say something like, I don't know, but please don't open the front door or I don't know, but stay in my room tonight because I'm scared. At times when my cats decided to sleep in my room, I would cuddle them until they probably couldn't breathe out of being scared. But they didn't seem too bothered by the sounds. I'm sure both cats heard them because their heads faced the direction of the sounds, but if they were already settled, they didn't seem to care. This whole situation never made sense to me. It couldn't have been the old woman because I know what her spirit was like and she was already in the house. What was that thing that was trying to get in from the porch? It must have been something scary, otherwise I wouldn't have those dreams. I never once saw anything on the porch, no shadows through the window covering, no dents or scratches on the door the following days as evidence of an attempted break-in. We had one of those peepholes in the front door, but I never got out of bed to see what may or may not have been there. Rob Canyon About 15 miles north of Lake Tahoe, just west of Reno, there is a small canyon that runs to the north and south called Rob Canyon, a serene, beautiful valley that was a haven to get away to. That all changed in the early 70s when someone exploring the canyon made a gruesome discovery. A hiker exploring Rob Canyon discovered what was thought to be human remains partially sticking out of the dry, desert soil. When the police arrived, the unearthed body of a woman and three men that appeared to be transients or homeless people were found. It is thought that the spirits of these souls lost in this desert canyon have not gone. Over the years since the discovery, many claim to hear strange, blood-curdling screams coming from Rob Canyon. Many people exploring the canyon have seen what are known as shadow people, dark, human-like figures that are not actual people, but some sort of dark phantoms from the afterworld. Many exploring the canyon at night never make it very far, 
as they are overcome by feelings of dread and fear. They end up leaving not long after darkness falls. There have even been reports by some who claim that they have been held down by some unseen force. Rob Canyon is now part of Rainbow Ridge Park in Reno, Nevada, and is considered to be one of the most haunted places in the western United States. Tall White Woman by DRDD Throughout all of my life, every house I have lived in was haunted in some way, even the one I live in right now, but the most recent or vivid experiences I've had are more off-putting. The first thing that I remember that happened when I moved from Incline Village to Sparks happened when I was home alone after school. I just got back home and my parents left to go run errands, and I would spend most of my time in my mother's room watching TV. Her queen-size bed separated the small room like this. If someone walked in through the door, to the right side would be the queen-size bed, and farther to the right of the bed would be the closet sliding doors with mirrors on the front, so it reflects everything in the room. I was fairly young, about seven years old, and I had been watching some spooky stuff on mummies and silly things, like the old Are You Afraid of the Dark show. I'm just feeling pretty freaked out, and I hear the door to the room creak open. Thinking it was my parents who just came back home, I called out to my mum. The door opened all the way very slowly, and this woman walks in. She looked like a very tall Caucasian woman who had this weird towel wrapped around her head. Anyways, I jump over to the side of the bed facing the sliding doors and lie flat on the ground, and just watch this woman through the mirrors, walk to the end of the bed and look towards the door leading to the backyard. And then she sits down on the bed. I can visibly see the bed squish down where she's sitting and hear the springs creak. She stays like this for what seemed a few minutes, and finally, after I blink, she stands up and walks through the door leading outside. After seeing that, I could not move from my lying position on the floor, and just stayed there for a good hour until my parents came home. And I mean, I could not move. I wanted to and tried to, but I felt weighed down and couldn't even move my fingers. That was the first time I saw her. The second time I would see her would be when we moved into a nearby neighbourhood in Sparks, about 15 minutes away walking. This is the place I currently live in. This time I was around 12, coming back from school on my scooter. I remember I had had a terrible day. I had gotten into a fight with my best friend at the time and was not feeling too happy going home. But eventually, I got to the point on my street where there is this little bit of a hill where you can see my house. So I start racing down this small uphill really fast, and I reach the point where my next door neighbour's house starts and everything slows down to a snail's crawl and goes black and white. It was slowed down enough to the point where I was able to think, what just happened? I eventually reached the part of his yard where there is a tree almost dead centre, and I see the same woman in white, walking behind the tree in the direction I was coming from, and as she passes completely out of sight behind the tree, everything returns to normal, full speed and colour. 
and I crash against the curb in front of my house, pretty hard. That was the last time I saw that particular woman. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really do hope you enjoyed it, and that the wait was worth it. I'm going to be trying to be uploading more regularly at the moment. It's just a case of getting my head around all the different projects and things I have going on at the moment. So, until next time, sleep tight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.